Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Greetings and welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Redoctopus Cephala Podcast, the only show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. We are part of the Dorkening and Inebriart Podcast Networks, and as always, we are brought to you tonight by Deadly Grounds Coffee, coffee to die for. <laughs> I am your host. My name is Parasite Steve, a.k.a. Steve Van Sampson, and uh, with me as uh, sometimes are crickets because I don't have co-host tonight. Uh, so sad. But what isn't sad are, are the the two guests. Yeah, two count them. One, two uh, uh, guests that I have. A couple of really awesome dudes who just happen to be like best buddies. And they're also really, really great writers and acclaimed writers as well. I'm going to introduce them for you right now. First, we have Mr. L.L. Soares, author of the Bram Stoker award-winning Life Rage, also the novel Hard and Buried in Blue Clay and tons of short stories published across various other books. And his new one is out right now. And we're going to talk about that one tonight. That one's Teach Them How to Bleed, L.L. Soares. Lauren, how's it going, man? Yes. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good to pretty be on the good. show. Oh, good. See, the thing is, you're down there with another guy. So you, tonight is, of course, an episode of The Brig. And downstairs, I locked you in there with a with a mongrelly maniac sort of. Uh, I don't know. He's he's kind of he's kind of scruffy around the edges. I, I wouldn't trust him with a knife. His name is Peter and Dudar. You okay down there? Can you hear me? Yes, well, I didn't I hear you. I think I think maybe along the way down there, you like banged your banged your esophagus on one of the rusty bars or oh, something. Yeah, what's up got, with that? Yeah, or maybe That's, I tried to strangle him in his sleep. You don't know. Difficulties like anyway. Um, I'm happy to be here. Hi. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Peter N. Dudar, uh, author of Blood Cult of the Booby Farmers, Dolly, uh, the Forsaken Goat Parade, Along Came a Spider, and Requiem yeah. for Dead Flies, which was nominated for a Stoker. I've only just learned the same exact year that Lauren won. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> No so you guys feelings. were like at each other's throats that night or or, or what? No, all. we were just, no. I don't know. We kind of were supporting each other. There was a lot of brotherly support going on that evening. We were at yeah, the yeah. table with our publisher at Nightscape Press, and we all had a wonderful time, and we were all very proud of it. Oh, it was a great night, yeah. Total love fest. I love it. It's awesome. Um, so you guys are both horror authors, and uh, even though you're both in the same brig digitally, uh, one of you is in Maine, one of you is in Boston, right? So, like, I don't know how we actually worked that. But it's magic. It's the magic of the internet, and we're just going to go with it. So um, scary. It is. It is scary. So you guys both write some uh, extreme stuff, right? You tend to, uh, yeah. to. Is it really extreme, though? 
<laughs> I mean, if you read someone so, like Ed Lee, are we really extreme? Yeah, Splatterpunk is more extreme than what we do. All yeah. right, so so this is this is a great point. So not so extreme. All right, so why don't we? I'm I'm happy to let you guys just open open up the floor. Tell me about yourselves. Tell me about your writing. Let's let's start with Lauren. Your writing is not so extreme. You said. All right, so categorize what. Oh, okay. Put yourself well, in the I mean, box. What sort of what sort of stuff do you? We're not like extreme to... compared to what's out there. I mean, there are a lot. There are people who are a lot more extreme. I think. I think we were kind of a mix of maybe. You know, a little hard, hard-edged horror mixed with like literary aspirations. So we're not trying to write stuff that's just pure gore. We're trying to write stuff that's you know literature at the we're same time. But yeah, we're storytellers, basically. Yeah, I did. I did read the first. Uh, the, in the first sentence of your new book, Lauren is is a little bit extreme. Yeah, I thought that was a good way to open it. <laughs> you know, they always say grab them with the first line. So yeah, you right. grab you. You, would you, you, would you like to, to read it? Would you like to read that first sentence? I don't have it up in front of me. Do you have the book uh, in front of you? A hard copy? No. You said I didn't need to have it in front of me. <laughs> but now I don't have it. What? You know, now, well, here's what I'll do. do. Well, let me tell you about Lauren's writing. I'll, I'll explain it the best I can. If you've ever had a, um, you know, the, the old HBO catalogs that tell you what was on month to month and everything. Sure. If you go down the listings and had like um, rated R for violent sexuality, profanity, adult situations that's yes. lauren's work <laughs> see if you were going through the hbo guide and you saw his titles and everything in it you're like yeah i, I gotta put that on my calendar i watch that shit so okay lauren's back I'm back. with his type with his typo negative shirt nice shirt very cool thank you please uh read the read the first couple sentences of your of your not so extreme new book this is of course teach them how to bleed and just for the record because you're a rock fan Yes. Um, teach them how to believe is the name of a song by Motorhead, an album by Motorhead as well. Nice. So that's where that comes from. It's a great title. Um, yeah, and it kind of fits. Yeah, it's a vampire. It's kind of a vampire book, so it works. Yeah, I was um, I was uh, not expecting that. I, I I never thought. I mean, this is the first novel that I've read of yours, um, yeah. and I I never pegged you as a guy who would write a vampire story. I mean, maybe that's just well, you, maybe I'm just wrong. Yeah. I'm really hung up on doing things that are original and like create my own yeah. things. Yeah. And that's a good and a bad thing. It's a good thing because, you know, you're trying to do something new. It's cool, but people are kind of resistant to that. And I thought if I wrote something that was kind of a vampire book, my spin on it, it would kind of be the most, both the best, best of both worlds. Right. Because right. First of all, I do my own version of the, the my, you know, the mythology. But also, it's it's familiar enough where people. I can say it's kind of a vampire book. People go, oh, "I love vampires," and then they'll go from there. I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I sort of had the same mission statement with my first two books, and uh, what I what I always you know tell people when I'm trying to just describe them or give the elevator pitch or whatever. It's like it's something familiar, but in a way you've never seen it. Yeah. So it's not just completely alien to them. Yeah. Look, when you start out in the horror field, you know right off the bat, you're never going to be Stephen King. I mean, that guy is like a, another world as far as fame. So yeah. you have to have some goals. So I think my goal might be to create at least one character over the course of my career who can stick around, like maybe not maybe not as big as like Dracula or Frankenstein, but something mm -hmm. that maybe can 
live on after me. Like Let me read the first two sentences. It'll, it won't take very long. With all the pain, he couldn't tell if he had been raped, but it was a real possibility. Elevier Davies ached all over from head to foot and kept blacking out and waking up again. He was in an alleyway, or at least that's what he thought it was. One time he woke up and there was some sunlight. He could see it was just beyond where he was. He was in a shadowed part of the alley near a dumpster. He could see where the sunlight hit the ground, but he could not reach it. He did not have much desire to. And I'll just end it there. Nice. Thank you. That was really cool. Yeah, that that uh, whole opening chapter is, uh, that, well, because what your book does is you have um, three, uh, I think three strong POVs that you keep going between, or is it four? It kind of alters as the book goes on. There are okay. others that add on. Oh, okay. But yeah, there's Elevier Davies, who is a guy who has been turned into a creature he doesn't want to be. And he's kind of like, you know, Clint Eastwood in Hang Him High, where like these people have done something to him against his will and he wants to get revenge on them. And he just wants yes, to find out who yes, did this yes. to him and just wipe them out. And then there's um there's another there's a woman named Maggie Joe who is like a, a porn star and she's kind of like mm-hmm. on her she's a drug addict and she's on her last legs. And then her life changes because she's transformed too. But her, instead of looking for revenge, her life actually seems to get better when she becomes one of these creatures. And then there's um, LB Jade, who's like a vampire hunter. And um, she changes her sex at, at will. So different times she could be male or female. And um, she, when she kills these creatures, she eats their hearts and it's given her like incredible power. Mm. So basically, those are the three characters and, you know, their stories intertwine and, you know, new other characters come on later on. Mm. But the thing about my vampires is there's no fangs, there's no capes. The, um, what it is, is like, for example, the woman who is a ju- drug addict, she gets all kind of needles that come out of her skin, like very fine needles. And that's how she feeds. Or another person will have like thorns come out of their skin and that's how they feed. Wow. They also have kind of like a venom that kind of breaks down the body because we're mostly water. So it kind of makes us even more so, so that they can just, you know, just drink it all up. Nice. I like, I like that you thought about this biologically. That yeah. is, uh, well, you know what, no, you know what the impetus of it is all these old vampire movies where you'd see like Dracula or somebody with blood all over his mouth mm-hmm. or like blood everywhere. And it's like, what are they, why are these guys such messy eaters? Like if blood is so important to them, when they want to get every single drop, yes. I mean, I know if it was an alcoholic, he wouldn't draw, he wouldn't leave a half a beer, you know. <laughs> so that was kind of like, how do I do this so that they can get as much blood as possible? My wife always, always uh, complains with um, Thirty Days of Night. They are like the most wasteful eaters. Those those vampires. Yeah, they all in the movies. You oh know my! Why? Because it looks great. They have blood all over. Yeah. So it's a great image. 30 days a night, they take a bite out of the neck and then it, you know, goes fire hydrant, you know, explodes everywhere, bloods everywhere. They get like, I swear, like a mouthful, maybe. It's like, and then they, they go on to somebody guys. else. Yeah. Guys, come on. I know, I know you guys. Are zombies would like plan. eat your intestines and everything. Yeah. Well, that's really, really cool. I've, I mean, you know, body covered in thorns and needles and stuff. Oh, man, that's, that's awesome. I, so yeah, I, I've only, I'm still, you know, closer to the beginning. So yeah, uh, yeah. Maggie hasn't turned yet, but clearly, you know, it was pretty, pretty evident uh, from early on that 
Elevir was probably not alive or maybe had been transformed or something. Uh, he has this hunger and thirst uh, that he's never experienced that food and, and drink won't sate. And, uh, and it's like, okay, well, so is, is this a vampire thing? Like, cause I didn't know that going in. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing too, is that, um, the way you become a vampire in this book is not a pleasant thing. It's not like they drink your blood and you drink a little bit of their blood and you become a vampire. Um, to become a, a vampire in my book, people have to be like beaten to death pretty much. Like you're just, you're just like tatters at the end. For some reason, that's, that's how they do it. It has to be a certain number. And it's it's definitely not a pleasant situation. So it's it's how Elevir is waking up there in that first sentence. Yeah, he's all he's been he's been beaten to death, so he's like yeah. barely conscious. That's brutal, man. You write some yeah. extreme shit. Wow, yeah, but I try I really to do it in a literary you, way. You threw away all the tropes of religion and and, and Christianity that. I'm not the first person to do that. That's not that really. No, that I know, original. but I think that's one of the really standout things that I loved about the book. Yeah. I think that that's the the part of vampires that always just bothered me the most. And I think like going all the way back to the eighties, I remember Gallagher making fun of it and being like, you know, what if, you know, what if Dracula just went after Jewish people? Like <laughs> just, it's much easier. They don't have crucifixes. Um, and that's just kind of like, uh, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, <laughs> why are they? And they never said like, would a, would a star of David get a reaction out of a vampire too, or. Any religious symbol or just, just process. Right. I mean, maybe, maybe, yeah. you know, depending on the story, it could be, you could write that and say, well, it's just belief. Um, but there, you also have this character of Henry who I liked immediately. And you have this character who starts out, uh, you know, he's, he's a mentally handicapped character and um, he gets changed in a different way. He doesn't become a monster, at least not right away. He, he becomes smart. And becomes like almost the Renfield, but not a gross Renfield, more like a smart, handsome Renfield or something. Who's uh, and there's also a definite emotional attachment between him and Jade, the character who transforms him. So mm -hmm. it's not just like oh, Dracula and Renfield. It's more like they, they actually have like a more like a relationship after after mm -hmm. time goes by. And also, the book has a lot of tonal shifts too. There is a time when it comes more like a fantasy, but you haven't got to that point yet. That's later on. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta keep going for sure. I try to keep it as unpredictable as possible. Well, you know, that's 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 a hallmark of a good storyteller, my friend. Um, so, according to the uh, the synopsis, uh, we should uh, readers should sit back and have a drink as the ingredients for a bloody new cocktail seeps into your mind from the dark imagination of Bram Stoker, award-winning author LL Soares. Um, guys, that is teach them how to bleed. It is out right now. It is. Uh, Put out 2022 from Bloodshot Books. It, it, we got it done just in time for Nikon, but the, it's a convention in in Providence, or it used to be. Now it's in Lowell, Mass. Lowell, but um, Mass. yeah, we try to get it ready just in time for it to come out for that. Very cool. So that was like in July of 2022. That was the last time I saw you guys. So uh, that nice is it is again. If I haven't mentioned it, I hope the uh, I hope the cell isn't too bad. I know there's only one twin size cot down there, and but you know you guys know each other, so I, I'm sure you're you're getting comfy. yeah. I don't want to know them that well. Uh, well, you know, too bad. Uh, so yeah. uh, that's I don't have a that's, choice. <laughs> you do not. That is teach them how to bleed by LL Soros. Check it out, guys. Um, Peter, uh, I would love to hear also about your your newest book. Um, 
you got you got some titles, man. I so your new book, <laughs> The Mississippi Glory Hole Mutilations, which That's is correct. the sequel, the sequel to Blood Cult of the Booby Farmers. These are just yes. like the funnest of all time titles to say. <laughs> <clears throat> and I mean that completely seriously. Um, I, I feel like I'm trying to sabotage my career with some of these titles. I swear to God. <laughs> That's funny because some other people were telling me the same thing about it. So this is a, the series is the Cold Current Chronicles. So this is book yes, two. Correct. Uh, and it it's came like out last saga of, of Betty June Gray, who is the survivor from the first book. Great. So, okay. I was just going to say it was Grinning Skull Press put it out last year. Yeah. Uh, take yeah. it away, Peter. Tell us about your book. Okay. Um, well, the first book, Blood Cult of the Booby Farmers, is a um, a pastiche of 70s exploitations horror films. Um, it is about a survivor of uh, an inbred clan of people who are trying to protect their farm from foreclosure from Betty June Gray's husband, uh, Nelson Gray. Uh, Nelson is killed early in the book in the in the first book, and she is taken hostage by their rapist predatorial uh, sons, and uh, she escapes at the end. She ends up uh, killing the, the bad guys. And Thanks escaping. for ruining it. Oh, I, <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it would be <laughs> without a final girl. There's got to be a final girl. Uh, I mean, come on. <laughs> The, the second book is a continuing saga of her. Um, when, when the first book ends, she, through inheritance, becomes the richest lady in cold current Mississippi. And at the beginning of the second book, we learn that she's basically lost most of her money already based on bills and, and all the stuff that everybody goes through every, you know, year after year. And she's forced to go back to work to raise her son, um, Jesus Gray. And Jesus has a problem that is attached to the first book that you come to find out that he's transforming into something quite terrible. And she's desperate for money. And book two is about how she tries to get money to help him medically and the, the setbacks that she faces. But it's, it's not just a horror story. It's also a political satire. And I want to make that perfectly clear because I think a lot of people going into it are going to have a, a different feeling about it than they did the first book. So, Gotcha. You mentioned political satire. In the acknowledgement section, I noticed that uh, you're, A, not a fan of trigger warnings, uh, you know, which is kind of funny because then you gave one. Uh, so I want to ask <laughs> you. That's the reason you would think. That's what yeah. I, I underscore. So, let, so I want I want to ask you about that. Um, but you did mention yes. something about this political bend to the book and how mm -hmm. you know, certain characters might seem a little familiar. They're characters of of, of real people. So. <laughs> yeah. There are some similarities with some of the names as well. I think uh, you haven't your your veil uh, isn't that thick, so it's uh, yeah no. Yeah. Hmm. You didn't trick me. I figured out who it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no fooling you, brother. <laughs> I know that a certain segment of readers are going to be offended politically when they read the book. So that was my trigger warning to let people know that um, when I wrote the book, it was in response to the past five years of political upheaval. And um, it was a catharsis for me just to get through it. I, I felt better politically once I wrote the book. So gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, this is, this is definitely uh, necessary for some of us that we need an outlet. Um, well, I will, I will say it was cathartic <laughs> for me to read that opening chapter, uh, the prologue, the prologue was just a ton of fun. I mean, it was a ton of extreme gory fun where people are being horribly mutilated yeah. in that plus, that specific area. Yeah. But like but in a I fun way. Give, I got to give a, in a fun way, right. I got to give a plug to Dallas Mayor, a.k.a. Jack Ketchum. I made him a character in the in the opening prologue, too, which was kind of cool for me. 
So that is really cool. Um, no, I loved I loved the very very beginning of the prologue, uh, which you just wore your love for one specific seventies exploitation movie right on your sleeve. Right. You, yeah. What's you, your shirt you, say, Pete? Oh, <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so at least you have some taste. <laughs> well, he likes your books. Well, he didn't like the menu, yeah. so he doesn't like. He doesn't oh, like that's all true. Books. He didn't like the menu. He didn't yeah. like the menu. I, I, I found and it he very. He didn't, get, he didn't understand it, so he says, "Oh, it's dumb." It's dumb. <laughs> it didn't appeal to me. <laughs> I just want to break his. I like Barbarian a lot better than that. Oh, Barbarian was an excellent. Yeah. That was a good movie. I love that one. So that was really fun. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Who who could have seen? you know the twist coming i mean i do think that people are correct the people who are saying like the first half of barbarian is better because justin long's character is just so intensely unlikable from second oh yeah he's great at that but he is good at that but you know he's like a lot of movies he he was in uh kevin smith's tusk Tusk, Tusk is great yeah he's like the same character yeah yeah he always plays like an asshole you know it's funny because with tusk i thought that was the first time i had seen him be an asshole was my thought oh really? i don't know i don't know like i feel like he was always like i don't know what he was in before that that i would never remembered him from wasn't he in so. was he in uh commercials he was in jeepers creepers oh, he's in the first jeepers creepers he gets killed at the end but i thought he was in commercials for like uh microsoft or something oh maybe the mac and the pc guy wasn't he one of those no uh i don't know if he was one of the mac or pc no, maybe he was. I don't know. maybe he just looked like he one. was he was in galaxy quest that was the first thing i saw him in where he was like just the the super nerd who was like obsessed with the show and he was like going up to uh tim allen's character and being like you know so i know it's real and all right so let's talk about the schematics and i was just me, me and my friends had this uh had this thought about how we don't understand how these two decks uh coincide and uh anyway that sounds kind of like pete <laughs> Have you? How many times have you gone up to Tim Allen, Peter? Yeah, Peter. I've, never, I've never met the guy. Never, never happened. These are all lies. Lauren, Lauren's just busting your balls again. Well, uh, so so anyway, so back to Mississippi Glory Hole. Um, yeah. Do you want to do you want to talk a little bit more about the uh, about the plot? I really I really liked the the writing of this a lot, and I was really I was really pulled in, and uh, I have to say that the title made me think it was going to be possibly funny like i wasn't sure i i had set out to write a story about first of all a six foot tall mothman and um i wanted to, to fill the book with gross kind of antagonists like corrupt politicians um racist police officers and have it on this all swampy hot mississippi evening at a truck stop yeah so everything all flies by the end of it and there are Glory hole massacres. There's, so, there's he, have you? Is it based on do, real do life? Do you, have you gone to a glory hole? Explain what a glory hole is to your fans, because I'm not sure they know or not. You know, if they don't know what a glory hole is, they probably know what a Mothman is. So they're they're meeting you halfway, yeah. and that's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair that's enough. Important. Uh, six foot Mothman sounds cool to me. I had yep. no idea what the moths were. Like you have this moth motif going in, and I'm like, I don't know what the moths are. So now I know it, but, it's kind yeah. of poetic, though. I like I like the imagery. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I really enjoyed uh, what I read of both your books, honestly, guys. And uh, I'm I'm definitely going to continue. Um, but yeah, so so Peter is just telling me I have to go back and read Booby Farmers, which I'm we're just going to call Booby Farmers just. Yeah. For- and, and there is going to be a third book. It's the third book is tentatively titled um, 
the jailhouse crack horror exorcism. So that's going to be book three. It's going to bridge the first two books. Plus it's going to bridge with my novel, the goat parade. There's going to be characters from that in it as well that are going to be interspersed with the story. It's all in my head. I just need to start writing it out when I have a chance. So that is absolutely amazing. That, that can you give me that title one more time? The jailhouse crack horror exorcism. It's amazing. These titles are million dollar titles, Pete. Like if, if they're, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they're broadly like marketingly smart titles, but they are million dollar titles in my book, my friend. I've, I've got to admit are... though, a lot of it, a lot of it is inspired by the movie Grindhouse by Tarantino and Rod Yeah. Especially the, the movie, little previews yeah. in the beginning. I think yeah, that's really yeah, yeah. what's my mind in the play is watching those little previews and going, you know, I, I got to write something like this, something hilarious yeah. in yet, you know, that people won't think it's, you know, they won't take it seriously, but then when they realize how serious it is, they're going to like lose their minds. So, right, right. No, I, I absolutely got that. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I did get to see that, um, when it came out, the Grindhouse experience where they played both movies. Oh, it's and, fabulous. Uh, now everything's so, broken up now. You can't see them together anymore. Oh, right, no. right. Yeah. It was such a special thing that happened. And I'm so glad that I was there for it with the trailers and everything and all the. And so many people didn't check it out. Yeah. Like it didn't do very well. well yeah. It was I like know. four hours long or something crazy, wasn't it? And then people no. kind of like, like, I don't an know. Event. It was a big deal. Babysitting for four hours, you go broke, you know? It was so yeah. awesome, though. I loved it so much. And, um, yeah. you know, I mean, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't actually know what grindhouse movies were at the time you know i i was born in 79 so i missed all of that and oh, um, oh. there's something and, called video i don't know if you heard of yeah yeah but grindhouse is like not just yeah a, that's a different experience it's, you're right it's you're different, right you know and 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 so some of those movies like i mean many of those movies i had just never even heard of i had heard of like you know some like 70s exploitation or black exploitation stuff like you know shaft and different things at the time and now i've gone back into and i mean i love rudy ray moore but he's not really oh god uh but like dolomite is a work of genius (laughs) oh so good it's like i love it um Uh, but yeah, I, I missed a lot of those and it, it seems like a lot of those movies are just, um, and correct me if I'm wrong guys, but I think a lot of those are like lost movies now. Like, is it, is it easy or possible to even check track down a lot of these like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Everything's, I think that, most stuff is all available. now. They show these movies like at, at midnight and stuff and, and they built a cult following behind them. Yeah. So Pete, did you ever go to, um, Times Square when it was really sleazy? And see no, some movies. Oh, I never made it down to the city back then. That, that the was only movie I actually yeah. saw it at the tail end was um, I saw Barfly in a, a oh, really yeah. sleazy oh, wow. Times Square theater, which was perfect because it was really, you know, it was kind of seedy, just like the movie. But um, <laughs> I didn't get to enjoy the Grindhouse era. Yeah, I, w- I, I wish, man. That That's like, you know, d- different eras of cinema are pretty much all I want to travel back in time to go do, you know, if I could, you know, various eras, you know, I'd love to go back and in, into the thirties and see the universal monsters and. Oh yeah. Know, yeah. Just like in the forties. Oh yeah, man. Like all that, all that stuff. I even You're like, probably a lot like me, but when I was a kid too, like I lived in, you know, New Bedford, Massachusetts. I didn't live anywhere near New York city. So instead of grindhouse, we had drive-ins and that was pretty mm-hmm. much the yeah. same thing. I mean, not really. Grindhouse is a lot more visceral, but yeah, but drive-ins were more of a, stick to the floor and stuff. But drive-ins <laughs> were more of a, a thing of the fifties and sixties. 
just kind of like for no, some, I did it all through the 70s. Yeah. No, I know, but I'm just saying it originated in the 50s and 60s. And a lot oh, of yeah, the yeah, yeah. From Creature Double Feature came from that era. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Creature Double Feature, uh, it hasn't been mentioned. That is the secondary theme of tonight's episode of The Brig. We are going to uh, sort of transition into, because after all, there are two of you you marvelous creatures and so we're going to talk some uh some any chance you have feature. the music from creature double feature uh i can i can absolutely play it right now okay great so creature double feature you know guys like let's 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 talk about this show this is a show that i have heard about non-stop the circles that i am in with all these writers all these horror guys and gals that you know are of the you know we're in our 40s and 50s and stuff everybody's looking back and everybody is like oh i saw that on creature double feature i saw that on creature double feature i cannot even tell you how many people say this to me and it's like you know i miss this i just never saw any of it but now in well you're too like, young that's all i know that's the problem it's not it your sucks. fault yeah it's not my fault it just blows yeah. but should have been yeah, born I earlier mean, yeah Steve, but the uh fair though i'm close to young as, as well i i barely remember anything before 1980 so oh so there you go yeah so, i hey, mean what did you have where you grew up in upstate new york right what did you have there yeah i was in albany albany area but oh, okay just to be, it can't be overstated how important what a revelation it was to pop culture to have cable television we were the generation that grew up on vhf and uhf which meant you got three basic stations and then whatever like community stations were on that you could pick up with rabbit ear antennas Right. So cable came along. All of a sudden, you you got like 50, 60 more channels that you didn't have before. So you know, we, we had a broader uh, spectrum of where we could watch movies and, and see horror films like this. Right. So, I mean, a lot of these hadn't been played in 20 years, you know? I mean, I'm sure. At, I mean, who's who else is picking up this kind of programming on TV? I mean, Back I really... Then, though, because I grew up during, you know, Creature Double Feature. I mean, I was in the area and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there were like three or four different shows over the course of a weekend. There was Creature Double Feature. Then there was like Chiller. There was like, um, for a little while, there was a show called um, Simon Sanctorum. There were like a bunch of different hosts. And right. Sounds like, like you, the era of the was, horror watch, host. Yeah, like there'd be all these different shows on other channels. Like on Channel 5, there'd be a show where they'd show a lot of universal horror movies. Okay. Yeah. So you like on 1130 on a Saturday night, you'd watch a double feature there. And then, like on Friday night or Saturday morning, you'd watch Creature Double Feature on Fifty Six, and that would be more like Godzilla right. movies and you know a little more sillier stuff, giant spider movies right. and stuff. They, they, you also had Elvira and Svengoolie, and that was later, yeah, but that was great too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And now we have Joe Bob. I was never a fan of Joe Bob. I couldn't get into his really? show. Joe Bob rocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah that he was show. Was on I just... Showtime, and then he had um, then his show went to Monster Vision on TNT for a while. And now he's on Shutter. Right. Yeah, I had never gotten to see him just over the years, just because I never had Showtime. I never noticed him on TNT. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did see a couple episodes uh, on Shutter. We had it for like a couple of months, and um, yeah, it was it was it was fun. I mean, I I just really like you know learning about 
he his factoids are great like you yeah know. They're excellent yeah um i mean that's always fun like i'll you know go on imdb and read the trivia you know after something anyway so it's you know it's kind of cool to do that but yeah as for me like you know i i got into this stuff just sort of like late in life just uh, by myself i don't know i I'm not, I'm not really sure why i did and you know uh for those of you who might remember lauren you had a uh you had a website back in the day that that uh, I did used to write a column for, and that was a uh, cinema yeah, knife true. fight. Yeah, yeah, and I uh, I yeah, did all about uh, monoc- reviews. Yeah, that's right. And I did uh, a segment called uh, Monochrome Manor, and this was uh, oh, I wrote yeah, probably yeah. yeah I wrote like I think twenty seven uh, articles. Really? For that yeah I really think, I think so yeah it was, yeah time it was, went by so fast I know yeah I know. that site was around for about ten years and then it closed yeah. Yeah, so I was yeah. right at the end there, the last couple of years. But yeah, but you um, were there. That's great. I was there. Yeah, I, the, I remember enjoying your stuff. Yeah. Well, I wrote a column too. Go back to sleep. Nobody cares. They care. <laughs> They're here for Peter. You're just the gravy, man. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. What was your column, Peter? Mine was called "Me and Little Stevie," and it was. Oh yeah. And God, I had, how like, did I forget a, that? Ventriloquist dummy of Stephen King, who would give the, all the King information, and you know. There was a lot of jokes going back and forth and everything. And I, to this day, I'm still concerned that he might have read one or two of them and gotten pissed off at me, which is why he never reviewed any of my books. So uh, you never know. No, I just think he doesn't know who you are. <laughs> no, probably not. So, so mean. Oh, it's just so yeah, mean. I'm quite sure he doesn't know who I am. I've this for 20 years, okay? <laughs> That's that's really great. Well, uh, so so just for your own knowledge, I've decided to resurrect Monochrome Manor as a uh, segment for the Retro Redoctopocephala podcast. We we have these things on our main episodes called B segments, where it's unconnected completely from whatever the topic is, and we uh, every every week one of the three of us hosts will have just a random. Uh, random segment and uh so i'm gonna be introducing a new one which is is monochrome manor and that was taken directly from your old your old website cinema and i fight and uh yeah I, yeah i can remember right the on. first one i the first one i i wrote for you was the old dark house which is uh yes i i often say is is my favorite movie of all time but like it was sort of like that was a fun way that was like a fun excuse for me to find even more old movies and there were a lot of movies that I watched for the first time for that column. Um, oh, yeah. But like that gives you an with, excuse. Yeah. There was. Oh, it's freaking awesome. Yeah. I mean, like, right. uh, so I found like I found a number, The Beast with Five Fingers I had never even heard of with Peter Lorre. Um, there is yeah, like these are the, all things I saw in all the creature features when I was a kid. Yeah. See, see, a lot of that was them, like my you know, education. Yeah. Yeah, you 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 have to really seek them out. But you know, YouTube has been mentioned that a lot of different old random movies are on YouTube. A lot of black. I'll and tell white you, stuff. Tubi is a great site. Tubi is a they great site. Tubi has a but ton they have of a great stuff. Great amount. Of they have stuff, a ton yeah. of stuff, and they have a ton of Japanese stuff. So yes, all the yes. all the Godzilla, but not just Godzilla. They have Gamera, and they have Ultraman, and they have you know all. And they have different, my favorite, War of the Gargantuas. Uh, well, that's your which pick. is my favorite <laughs> kaiju of all time. Your favorite kaiju of all Mine time. Your I... family, right? Yeah. Oh wow, that's you guys. Yeah, that's no, no, he's okay. right. You guys are like an old married couple. My goodness. I know. Um, I want a divorce. Uh, <laughs> so what we've done in in true Redoctopus fashion is we have each picked one Creature Double Feature movie, one movie that was played on Creature Double Feature. Uh, Lauren's kind of buried the lead there, but uh, but we've each picked one 
and we're going to present it and talk about it and give our memories and like a little synopsis if you want to talk about the story a little bit and uh, why you like it. So why, why don't you start us off, Lauren, with, with your pick? So you already said it. One more it's time. It's called War of the Gargantuas. And it's, it's about these two monsters. One's brown, and one's green. Mm-hmm. And it actually is a big, long story about how it got there, but... There was the movie called Frankenstein Conquers the World in Japan, where it was like a giant Frankenstein, and he was fighting monsters, right? So What the Gargantuas was a sequel to that. But then for some reason, they cut out all the Frankenstein-related stuff and put in yeah, Russ like Campbell, one line. American actor. Yeah. There's like what? one line saying something about they, yeah, they find Frankenstein's saying, hand oh, or something. The, 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 Frankenstein was here, and now we've cloned stuff from him or something right, like that. Right, like it's so, yeah. so thin. And basically, it's these two monsters, and one's good and one's bad. And when I was a kid, there was a commercial for it. And what grabbed me was the green one was chewing on somebody. They put, they grab this woman, chewed, chewed on her, and spit out her clothes. And for some reason, when I was a kid, that was like <laughs> right. such a wild image. It was so great. And uh, of course, so I always rooted for the green one, who was the evil one. But, uh, the brown one is the nice one who likes people and he wants to protect people. He's the wimp. So the green one and him, they, it looks at one point like they're going to become friends, but then they become bitter enemies and try to kill each other. Meanwhile, Mary, mankind's like trying to kill them too. Because they're brothers, right? That's the thing. They're both clones. Yeah, from the they're same both. They, it's really vague, but something. I think they're clones of the Frankenstein from the other right. movie. But I, like I think the, that's what you're supposed to believe, yeah. Like the brown one was created first, and his, some of his skin was on a rock in the ocean, and that transformed into the green one. Like, it doesn't okay, make any right. sense. I don't think they had a science consultant <laughs> on that one. So, it doesn't really make a hell of a lot of sense, but it was fun, you know? Oh, man. See, I love old movies. I just love Oh, them. yeah, well, yeah. The, the, I wish in, they'd remake some... that one. That one's so wild. In some cases, the badness is just why it's great, though. And if they remade it, it would be bad for a different reason. And it wouldn't have the charm. You just got to keep the original. Well, they could just do it totally straight and make it like really scary. Yeah. Because those creatures yeah. were ugly too. That's yeah, they what made them like, so great. Yeah, they look kind of look like big ogres or something. Big, yeah, they're big really giants. ugly and all furry looking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was funny because so I had read about this movie long before I saw it. And so Frankenstein uh, conquers the world, also known as Frankenstein versus Baragon. Um, So funny, funny little fact. Baragon was a camera villain, wasn't he? No, no, no. He's from that. He's from that oh, one okay. movie. And he was only ever used again in stock footage. So like, you know, like the ones uh, like, I mean, he showed up again in Final Wars much later. I think that was his last appearance. Oh, I like Final he was Wars. In, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was in Final Wars, which is like whatever, 2000, early 2000. The best scene in Final Wars is when Godzilla fights the American Godzilla. Oh, yeah. Godzilla no, it's, or something it, like that. And Zilla the fight gets, lasts like two minutes. <laughs> two seconds. It's two seconds. He gets his ass yeah. kicked. I think from it's not Godzilla. It's uh, I think it's King Caesar kills uh, the American Godzilla. The Zilla. Oh yeah, I guess I guess Minya could have killed him. I mean, for sure, for lousy. sure, yes, yeah. for sure. Uh, he would have been like, oh, oh, you, well, you come over here. I'll, I'll blow the smoke, smoke at ring you. at you. <laughs> um, 
yeah but there was there was the uh like the you know godzilla on monster island stuff and the uh what's the other one where they oh destroy all monsters oh that's and a good one too yeah those ones used a lot of stock footage from previous movies it's like oh the mo- the, the monster appears in that movie but not really it's just stock footage well that that um, one godzilla's revenge the entire uh, movie otherwise is all it's stock, just stock footage yeah. from like other godzilla movies Right. But Baragon does show up in one other like true appearance where he it's it's um it's the one where Godzilla is super evil and King Ghidra is good. It's it's like the oh, weirdest it must be one of the later ones. It's yeah. like all out attack, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah, uh, like yeah. Godzilla Mothra King Ghidorah I've seen them all, but some of them monsters all out attack, remember. I think is yeah. the name. It's the only one where Godzilla has white eyes, like pure white eyes. And oh, all right, yeah, yeah. He's the bad guy. And Baragon is just randomly in that one out of nowhere. Yeah. But no, he's he's from that, he's from that uh that Frankenstein, Frankenstein movie. Yeah. But so so okay, so I'm like uh, on the show on on Retro Octopus, we talk about video games a lot. And I don't know if you guys are players of old video games, but I'll tell you a little factoid. There was uh, on on the original Nintendo. There was a Godzilla game that was actually made by Toho, and for some reason they decided to put a whole bunch of non-Godzilla characters in that game. And as a kid, I didn't know who any of these guys were. <laughs> I mean, so okay, there's a few I recognized. Gigan's in it. Mecha Godzilla's in it and King Ghidra's in it. Other than that, they're all the monsters are like from random ass Toho movies. And uh I'm we're That's talking cool, okay, we're talking uh so Baragon is one of them. I had yeah. no idea who Baragon was. Angyrus is not in the game. I assumed Angyrus would be and it's like who's this four-legged oh, guy? Yeah, it's yeah, like Angaris oh. is the guy with the spikes all over his back. Right. Yeah. And he's like in a ton of them. So I'm like, oh, where's yeah. Angaris? And uh, so uh, Hidora, that's right. That's another one. Hidora's the in sm- it. The smog monster. Smog monster, yeah. yep. Uh, but they had the the squid from Space Amoeba, also known as Yogg Monster from Space. Yes, yes. Is in it. Yeah. Yeah, random monsters. Varen from the movie Varen the Unbelievable. Varen oh. the Unbelievable. Which I think was Korean, yeah. <laughs> no it's 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 toho these oh, are all yep they're all japanese these are all toho the um the matango mushroom was a mini boss that you fought many times from matango oh, that's matango's funny. that's one of my favorites um i didn't that's see it crazy on the ass movie. yeah it's it's so bonkers yeah also um, known as attack of the mushroom people yes exactly and it yeah. was on creature double feature Oh, it was okay. See, I yeah, I didn't uh, see it on the list, but I remember okay. they used to play it a lot. Yeah. Oh, I see. I loved. I loved that. But yeah. Anyway, so the, so Baragon was from NES. So really, I knew him from the game, and uh, later in life learned, <laughs> oh, he's from this weird ass like Frankenstein. It's not even a Godzilla movie. He's from this Frankenstein movie. So I had heard heard all about this for for a long time before I finally got to see where the gargantua is. And I will tell you that you are like the third or fourth person that says their favorite creature double feature movie was war of the gargantuas like it's it's just it keeps it coming it really up. stands out yeah and it's also it's, really it's, a, funny. it's a rare non-godzilla mm-hmm. you know kaiju movie that's really good and i'm surprised yeah. it never had a sequel or anything you never saw the gargantuas again that made no sense to me because mm. they were such great characters yeah i know it's it's one of it really is one of the very few that never made it into even like I said, even with the ones that use the stock footage, it's like, I don't know. They, for some reason were always excluded. They were only in that one movie, even Baragon gets used as stock footage and, and you know, it shows up once in a while, but and Varen too, Varen showed up as stock footage. And I believe, uh, 
destroy all monsters. He's he's very underused as well. He's barely ever. There are some really cool ones that aren't used that much. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid too, the the weird thing was War the Gargantuas played was the B movie on a bill uh, driving with a movie called Monster Zero. Oh yeah. I think that's another name too. Yeah. They gave it a different name. Well, I think I think I think Monster Zero is just Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. I'm pretty. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I think you're right because there's a ton of movies where. It's the same characters, Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, and King Ghidorah, like over and over again. Yeah, and I, th- I mean, those are those are the greatest yeah. hits. I mean, for sure. I think that's yeah. why the uh, the new legendary movies through all those and the uh, King of the Monsters. They're yeah, like I'm the a obvious. huge Ghidra fan. Yeah, Ghidra's great. You know, he, he never um, wins for some reason. Well, he wins in the one. He's he's the one that he's a good guy. That all out attack. Yeah, yeah, but um, I don't like that he's a good guy. No, I don't either. It's makes yeah. no sense. I it's weird rooting. You know, he's totally King underrated. Ghidra. Is Mothra. I love Mothra. Mothra's when great. I was a kid, I thought he was like the stupidest character. Or I don't, I don't even know if it's. I think it's, <laughs> it's supposed to be the Mother Earth character or something, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's like a later on, protector, yeah, sure. But, but um, yeah, she's like I the only Mothra's female. almost like poetic looking, different. <laughs> it's not like a, a big hair, a big mm-hmm. slimy thing with claws, you know. Well, that's the thing. Like she looks fragile and she always dies. And then it's up to the babies. The babies are just freaking <laughs> invincible and they just can destroy Godzilla um, for some reason. But Mothra comes with the uh, the very small fairy twins, which are just oh, and, peanuts. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really <laughs> I love them. Love the accoutrement of the two ladies. And I love the Mothra song. And um, I just love I the, all this mythology behind it. Yeah, like they really yeah. thought it out. Yeah. They did. They there was a lot more mythology. That's the right word. Um, so War of the Gargantua is awesome, awesome choice uh, for sure. And you've made a lot of uh, my friends who may be listening happy. Uh, so Peter, is this a movie yeah. that you also uh, have seen and p- perhaps enjoyed? I I have seen it at some point or other, but um, they were never my favorites. Uh, one of the things that stands out for me though for the Godzilla and all the kaiju movies. They were kind of a direct response to the atomic bomb going off in Japan in World War yeah. II. Yes, and, um, for sure. If you look at a lot of the titles that appear in the Creature Double Features, they have the same message that science must not be trusted. And it's almost a direct result of like uh, a Christian nation who is very concerned about, you know, making God's word more important than science, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. But it's, you could even go back on that, like 1931's Frankenstein. Oh, absolutely. The whole idea was involved, you yep. play God, right? You yeah. shouldn't use science to play God. Right. But I mean, even, but there was one that, movie nothing called, would ever get developed. There, there's one movie called The Amazing Colossal Man. And the punchline of that is that he had tampered in God's domain. And that's like a central theme in a lot of the movies you see, you know, mad science or, you know, the monsters that we see are a direct result of that. We're better off just following God's word and not questioning anything and not trusting in science. But it's funny because the, the one movie I had originally chosen to do for tonight was attack of the giant crab monsters and i come to find out that it wasn't even a part of creature double feature and i was devastated because i love that movie yeah. um, it stars when Russell i was a kid i would have loved to see it i had to see it later but yeah attack of the crab monsters these the, the soldiers appear on this island and something attacks one of the crew members and, and beheads it and then all of a sudden there's like these telepathic voices of the guy who's dead talking to other people and it's that the is crab so crab cool <laughs> Right, it's low budget special effects, and it's everything. Oh great God, Corman had no money, yeah. and, and there isn't enough that can be said about Roger Corman because he gave us so many great actors in his movies. You know, we and got directors um, too, Eastwood, like Scorsese and right, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, 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 yeah Jack, yeah, Jack oh, Nicholson. Exactly. How many people started with him? Mm-hmm. Right, right. 
So God bless Roger Corman, wherever he is. Um, but anyway, so I ended up choosing X, the man with X-ray eyes as my choice. And it's nice. a mad science doctor who uh, yep. he comes up with this potion that allows you his eyes to see through things, X-ray vision. And it starts out pretty innocuous enough. He's all excited and everything. Like he's, he's accomplished this great scientific feat. And the next thing you know, he's at this party with a, a friend of his and he can see through everybody's clothing. And like, they're all walking around naked. Like, you know, this is his sight and everything. And, you know, the, you know, he realizes that at, eventually he can see through his eyelids and he, he can't stop seeing things. So he has to start covering his eyes and he can still see things. With well, dark glasses and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah he looks like Jim driven, Jones. Yeah. <laughs> he's driven he out of the science field. Permanently. This so was uh, the this was Ray a, Milland, right? Yeah, Ray yes, Milland. Yes. He ends up getting a job at a freak show in like Coney Island or something like that. <laughs> and he's reading. And he pretends to be like a mentalist or something. Yeah, right, he's like a mentalist. He can see through people's clothing, and he can eventually see you know further into the universe than anyone's ever seen before. And it, it's not a lot of jump out scares or anything. It's just more like um, you know, just considering what he's going through is the horror that he's changing. But the most important thing in the whole movie is something that I don't know. You haven't mentioned, and I don't know if I should mention, but what? the very end, there's a scene yeah, that just freaks you out. Does, does he like, you don't let Peter talk about his damn movie. I'm going to electrocute you. See this? See this big toggle? Ends up like I think he claws his own eyes out or something, and he's got his. Oh, you gave it away! <laughs> I'm not sure he was going to watch it because I told him to. Actually. But, but, it's kind I of had, hard to have a spoiler alert. The movie was made like like fifty years ago. Yeah, but I had read somewhere that the original ending was so awful that they had to cut it out. After he cuts his eyes out, he screams out, "I can still see," which is pretty oh. terrifying. So it sure, I, I thought that when was I was terrific. a kid, that was such a big scene when he pulls his eyes yeah. out. Yeah, was, yeah, it's all so bandaged up in bloody, bloody spots where the, the yeah, eyes it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a great ending! So I guess we have to give it away, but. If, yeah. no, if somebody hasn't seen it, they should. It's it's yeah. really cool. But yeah. stuff like that, when you're eight or ten years old, I mean, again, I was born in nineteen. Oh yeah, I was only about eight years old when I remember seeing this stuff. So, but you didn't yeah. forget it. No, it, it's indelible. So yeah. this is this is probably one of those like we call it, you know, kinder trauma moments where they, they just scarred you forever. Did you yeah. just imagine this scene over and over forever? I had scenes like that. I think we've all. There's certain certain scenes from certain movies that just haunt us forever. I don't know if that was your experience with that or not. But, but again, also when you're younger and you're 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 in your formative years, yes. things make a bigger impression on you than when you're an yeah. adult and you're you, you yeah know. yeah. Because we're both pretty jaded now, dude. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I, like I remember, there are certain scenes like I, it just came up today. I haven't thought about the scene in years, but the end of Superman three, where the lady gets turned into a robot, scared the ever living crap out of me. Do you remember that? I don't no. think that's the one with Richard Pryor. It's the Richard Pryor one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't think and I saw that. Oh. At the end, it just gets so dark and uh, they're building this just big machine and Superman just opts to not save the bad guys. He just turns his back and he's like, y'all made this bed. Y'all going to lie in it. And he just leaves. And then they're the bad guys are trying to get away and two of them do. But one of them gets sucked back into this machine and it turns her into a robot. And it's really violent. And she's screaming. And uh, yeah, when you're just, young, that would fuck you up for life. <laughs> so you're yeah, saying like, that it's worth checking out? Yeah, check it out on YouTube. The the ending's on yeah. YouTube. But like, I, the whole movie is not a great movie. And it's not like a scary movie. It's just for some reason. It's a, it's, it's a crazy like left turn tonal shift at the very end right there in that part. I guess it was supposed to be Brainiac. And uh, they just decided. They, oh. 
Yeah, it was supposed to be Brainiac. That was the original idea. And then they decided not to use them. They decided not to, or maybe it's like they they couldn't use the character. I don't I don't really remember the the details. But when you're a kid and these things happen, yeah, it's not always makes sense. Like when I was a kid, I used to watch tons of horror movies. I never had nightmares. And then for some reason, the movie War of the Worlds Mm -hmm. is a scene where like one of them comes out of the ship and its hand reaches out and grabs somebody. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, that freaked me out when I was a kid. And if I la- I started now, I'd probably start laughing. Right, right. You know, you know, it's a scene like that for me. Where you say like you don't really understand what you're saying, and then you play it over and over in your head as a kid. Yeah, yeah. It gets like warped, and it doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, the black hole. There's a scene. It's the least Disney movie ever. There's a yeah, scene. It's really good. Uh, the good guys are trying to figure out like what happened, what happened to the crew, and they there are these like robots that are just they look like they're robots they're just running all of the panels in the background they're just like the camera never focuses on them they're just in the background they're doing whatever menial task running whatever system is in front of them just a a panel full of lights and buttons and stuff and eventually they sort of are like wait a minute wait a minute and like they go over to them they spin one around and their faces are just a silver disc like a circle that covers the entire face. And then there's sort of like this hood that attaches perfectly. So you can't see anything around. There's no like indications of a human face at all. It's just a, a circle instead of a face. And one of the main characters reaches out and pulls that silver disc off. And there is like this gross, creepy, emaciated human face under there. That's so oh, ghoulish. Cool. It, looks, it looks more like Gollum. It's like, you know, very yeah, I don't Gollum. Remember that. Yeah. And they take it off. It is for one second. And the revelation is this is what this is what happened to the crew of the ship. And as a kid, I for some reason read that as the crew got turned into chairs. That's that's how I always remembered that. And I've I've seen the scene since and I've seen the movie since. And they they go over and they spin the person around. The person is sitting in a chair, but as a kid, I just read the body as being like that as if the headrest became that oh like he was part of the chair yeah like he was the chair so as a kid i was like oh the bad guy turned them into chairs like that's what i thought (laughs) and it it just really disturbed me and it really freaked me out and well it's funny because that sounds really similar to what happens in phantasm with the 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 dead people being turned into those little dwarf beings yeah that movie is so goofy but I think I see it like it like hasn't. fifteen times or something. Oh, oh I love it! I love it. <laughs> Don Coscarelli, so different. Yeah. He's amazing. I love that man. He's great. It's um, good. But yeah, total, totally weird. The thing about Phantasm is you you just don't you can't ever wait. You can't wait for it to make sense. Like as a series. Yeah, that's not the point. Yeah, that's not the point. <laughs> the point is yeah, you only need to watch the first. Just two enjoy movies. it. Yeah. Yeah. That goes yeah. for a lot of movies. I notice a lot of people say. Oh, I figured out the twist like early on. It's like, well, instead of thinking about what the twist is, why not just get into the movie and let it take you away? You know? Right. Right. Well, like, I think you don't that's, have to analyze everything. That oh man, you know that this brings me back to my my most talked about point with movies is is the difference between you know whether or not you can like something if it goes against your expectations. Right. Like if you thought that this thing was going to be a certain way, does that mean that if it isn't, it can't also be valid? It can't also be entertaining in a different way than you expected. And I think that 
I think that so much of today's, you know, movie going geek audience, not like most people, but all the geeks that complain on the internet, um, mm -hmm. you know, they, they just, they just can't stand it if they don't get the exact thing that they thought they were going to get or that they wanted or yeah. whatever. Um, do you think that's it, tied that, into that thing where they used uh -oh. to, I don't think they do it anymore, but they used to give away the entire storyline in a trailer. Oh, I hate that. I think that it's important to just be like, all right, like, let's, let's just watch the movie. That's it's, it's also the, the whole, like everybody judges everything before they even see the movie, you know, that whole thing. Um, well, that's why I liked about barbarian is that it just, it just had a curveballs. Yeah. I like that. Me too. Me too. I like being surprised. I don't want to know what something's about. If I lose interest in a movie, it's because there's either continuity errors or bad storytelling or bad CGI effects. Those are the three that ruin movies for me. Yeah. yeah. If a story's good enough, it'll suck you in. If it's not, then you're going to criticize. Did you guys see my, my favorite horror movie last year was Hatching? Did you see that? Oh, no. I didn't see that one, but I, I know it's, I think it's on Shudder or somewhere, Amazon Prime or something. It's really good. It I was it was my personal favorite last year. It's foreign. It's I think it's like Finnish or Norwegian or, or something. Or, yeah, or, yeah. Or, I need to check it out. Um. Oh my gosh, it, it is it is so weird, and uh, like you just you just don't know what's gonna happen. But I will I will say this: this gives nothing away. Um. I've seen a, I've seen a lot of shit. I you know I'm not grossed out by movies. I'm not a squeamish. I'm not. I don't get scared at movies. It's impossible. But that movie, there is like one shot where there's a puppet there's all practical effects i think probably not all practical effects but a lot of practical effects well that's that good movie. yeah and uh creature effects and the creature the nature of the thing it like sort of changes as it goes and it's growing and stuff so there's a lot of different puppets uh for the different stages there is one particular stage and i'm not going to describe what it looks like i'm just going to say that it's in there and it is the most horrific thing i've ever looked at like i was so disturbed by the and it's oh, no, i need puppet. to check it out yeah. it's just a puppet it's really a quick shot but um that's some after, puppet yeah after you see it like come come talk to me and it will okay. we'll see if you can tell the one that i was talking about Pete, that's like when you had a puppet of stephen king yeah I <laughs> a column about it. it was a little Stevie. that column was great because it, it was, was mainly just pete thing. talking to a dummy like a, a doll no stephen different than king. us Oh, <laughs> that was good. No, I, I think recently my favorite monster movie I can come up with is uh, Jordan Peele's Nope. Have you seen that one? Yes. About the oh, alien. a lot of people hated that. Oh, I loved it. I thought that was terrific. I liked Especially it though. The digestion yeah. scene. I thought that was terrifying. And I like the monkey stuff too. Yeah, yep. Yeah. The bad. Yeah. So, oh man, the chimp stuff. I don't know, man. Yeah. So the, that it, could have been its own movie. That was terrifying. It could have been its own movie. Oh. It could have been. It was. It was the most disturbing part by so many miles that I just feel yeah. like it was a total. It was too tonally different from yeah. the rest. He's doing but, some great stuff. I love his work. So he's he's well, very, all his movies are interesting at least, and they at least yeah, have some surprises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't like the 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 reveal with us once they hit the twist. I I stopped. I stopped liking it. But uh, the first half is is very interesting. Oh and, yeah, yeah. You know, Get Out is awesome. Um, yeah, that was great. Uh, you know, but you know, I, I, I liked, I liked, nope. I liked the cast a lot. Really. I just wanted more Keith David. I always want more Keith David. That's oh, uh, he's great. Yeah. It's just in general, just more. We need, oh, more he, he was in one of the greatest monster films of all time. Well, of course he was. He was in the thing. Yep. 
Was uh, he in the They Live too? He was in as, They Live as well. Yeah, isn't he, he the one who fights Roddy Piper? That yeah, for fight? twenty minutes in the alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does a lot of cartoon work now. He does voice acting. Yes. Oh. Yeah. I mean, he was Gargoyles in the '90s. He did Gargoyles. They, well, he definitely got a lot of. Uh, he did the Shadow Man in, in uh, the Princess and the Frog. He was the Shadow. Yep. yep. Oh, that's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, no, he's he's a he's a he's the best. I love him. But yeah, you know that fight and they live is um is only that long because Roddy and him choreographed the whole thing themselves. And oh really? They, oh no kidding. Yeah, when they yeah, when they showed it to John Carpenter, um, they're like, oh, yeah, we, we you know, because Roddy's a wrestler. So that whole thing, it's sure. like, that's what he does, yeah, yeah. So, literally. And so they uh, they did it themselves. And and uh, John's like, I, I, I just kept rolling. And he's like, I just I, I, could, I didn't have the heart to cut any of it. He's like, it's excellent. It, yeah, it was all just good. So they just kept going and they just kept the going. Part and about the whole fight scene, the part that cracks me up the most is when when Roddy Piper picks up the two by four and hits the window and shatters it, he's, Oh man, I'm sorry. And you can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to him? I know he, I know he died. Yeah. But I don't know. After that movie, he was so good. I, I was hoping he'd have a huge career. Like, yeah, he, like oh, you know, yeah. the rock or something, but then his, he just did some bad movies. That disappeared. Yeah. He did like hell oh. comes to frog town. I think. Was yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they live as such a classic. It is. Like, he really should have been in more stuff. Yeah. He was a good they actor. They Live yeah. is is a big movie in our house. It's one of my wife's. Oh, it's things. underrated. It's yeah. really great. Carpool was really good. So. Yeah, yeah. Any any other uh, like honorable mentions for Creature well, Double I, Feature? Before I think we ought to point out how many of those these movies ended up going to Mystery Science Theater. That's true. Oh, you know, I didn't even give my pick. What am I talking about? I didn't oh, give yeah, why don't you give your pick? Holy crap! What am I doing? I skipped myself. So, uh, so my pick uh, is Rodan. 1956, directed by Ishiro Honda, who is also the writer and director of the original Godzilla and like all the Gojira. Godzilla. Yes, Gojira through the uh, Showa era. Um, so 50s through the 70s, basically. Uh, Ishiro Honda was basically the Godzilla guy, but he did other stuff and he did a lot for Toho. So we have we have Rodan and he everyone knows Rodan. He's his big pteranodon. So, oh yeah, fun fact real quick. So in Japan, he's actually Radon, not Rodan. They, oh, they I didn't know that. The a and the o because Tyrannodon, the R A O N is Rodan. That's how they got the name. So anyway, we got Rodan. I, I like it better. I'm so glad it's not Rat On, but um, because then you'd be like Rat On, man, Rat On. But yeah, anyway, yeah, you yeah, don't have to worry radon about poisoning. that. Poisoning, yeah, or radon poisoning, right? So um, okay, so basically, yeah, the first half of this movie, literally half of this movie, it's not a very long movie. It's like an no, hour ten. No. And it's it's just like them. It's just like the giant ant movie. It's very yeah. much giant bug movie. So it starts out and it's great. I love I love the opening of this. They have these uh, coal miners, and uh, I love I love the beginning. It's just these two coworkers and they're fighting and they can't get along and they get reprimanded by their boss. And uh, they're like, "Why can't you just you guys just get along? You you know, come on, guys. Oh, blah blah blah." And then they take the train down into the mine. And then you sort of, you know, some time passes and this engineer up at the, up the, uh, the home office, he like, you know, up the hill, he gets a call and they're like, oh, you know, something bad happened. You got to come see there's a flood. And uh, so he runs down and it turns out the, those two guys that we met fighting are missing. And one of them actually uh, turns up, they find him and he's, he's lying face down in the water and they can't find the other guy. So they think he did it. 
And so they bring the body back. And in the American release, you don't see any of his wounds. They just keep telling you how awful they are. And I think it's just yeah. so bizarre. But in the Japanese release, if you watch the Japanese they show uh, it. language, there's uh, an extra shot where there's blood and uh, they clean oh. the body and then they put the clean body onto us onto a table. In the American version, we just get the body, the clean body being placed on the table. So yeah. it's like, what? What? Really? Like you can show oh, that's like cool. A, I, I've never seen the Japanese version. Yeah, it's, it's better. It's definitely better. The dialogue's better too it always is i always i always watch toho yeah. and, uh, with subtitles if at all possible but so anyway they they realized that like okay this guy did not die by drowning he was laying face down in the water but he did not drown he is covered in lacerations and they are bad they're like things an animal must have done a man couldn't have done this and everybody's like no no it must have been that other guy he must have got at him with a pickaxe or a something you know and so anyway the, lo and behold it turns out there are these giant bugs that uh, like like the dwarves in Moria, they delved too deeply, Peter, and uh, they they found these these giant. Uh, they say that they're the larval form of an uh, an extinct um, uh, dragonfly, and I think I, I I have such trouble saying this this name. It's like Me Meganulon, I think is what they're called. Meganulon. I don't know. I hate it. Yeah, I hate. I'm not going to try it. It feels yeah. like shoes in my mouth. I don't like it. Don't it's you wish? They had let one grow up and become yeah, a giant well, they dragonfly? Did. They did. So later on in the 90s, finally, we get also directed by Ishiro Honda. He came back and he did Godzilla versus Megagyrus. And Megagyrus is the adult form of the Meganulon. They finally went back. Oh, and I didn't that. know that. Yeah, it's okay. not a very good movie, unfortunately, but I'm happy that they went back to the little the bug guys. But yeah, they're about the size of the ants from them and they also have a very similar sound they have the like that very tree frog sound that that the ants made in them and don't uh, they look like centipedes kind of they, they do look like centipedes. they look that's what i would say they were and they were yeah. costumed with three guys in them like they were you know yeah. they had three pairs of legs and uh they had these pincers in the front they're very silly looking but they're pretty big <laughs> Yeah, they can definitely fuck you up. And uh, so, yeah, they, they, that, they are the antagonistic force in this first half of the movie, like literally half of it. And then finally, like, where the hell's Rodan? Yeah, right. Where the hell's Rodan? <laughs> and then, so, the, so what happens is the, um, the engineer we meet at the beginning kind of, he disappears in like a, a cave in and he's gone for a good chunk of the movie. And when they find him again, he's lost his memories, just kind of wandering out in the uh i don't oh, know yeah, outside yeah. the mine and they pick him up and he just he doesn't talk and he's just like the little girl at the beginning of them she's just so yes yes that she can't talk and then finally it all comes back and for her it's when she hears the sound uh it all comes back and she starts screaming and for them is like the best of those giant insect it, it is it is the it's a masterpiece movie. yeah it is my favorite yeah, they're finally gonna remake that I they are remaking them heard. yeah, yeah. I love I love them so much. It's it is it the, as a fan of like aliens, not the first alien, but the second one with the James Cameron one. The, you watch them and you're like, oh, that's where he got some of these ideas. I mean, there are scenes that are so aliens and and like skulking around these sets and flamethrowers and I mean, like it's really funny. They're just ants, but like it's it's a it's a great flick. But um, but even like you said, the noise they made. Oh yeah, the way they looked. It wasn't as cheapo as a lot of the other ones. It looked really cool. Oh yeah, the the noise is a character. I mean, like it yeah, is it's so, so creepy. Yeah. It's so, and, and I mean, it's it's a different way to trigger 
a response from the audience, right? It's like this sound. It's just a sound. It's yeah, a people don't sound. use sound enough. Yeah, yeah, and that that is uh is such a good example of that. Um, those were bird song tree frogs, by the way. Just to, oh, cool. Um, they they chant in such numbers that that's the sound they make. Um, but anyway, so it, back to Rodan. So they find this the engineer dude, and he's lost his memory, and he's traumatized, and he can't talk. And then finally, so what happens is this this lady. Um, is like taking care of him and she um, she goes oh look the little birdies in my window she's like oh they laid eggs you want to see and she holds out the nest to show him and he looks down at the egg and all of a sudden it comes all rushing back and you get the flashback scene which is the scene I always remembered as a kid which is him in the you know after the cave-in he was separated from everybody else but he's in this like chamber and uh, you know that's where the Balrog is it's down there in Moria really deep and that's where the Balrog lives. And so, so he's over there and there's this, there's all these bugs. You see all the bugs that we saw, the Maganon or whatever they're called. And then like, you see this giant freaking egg and it is huge. And they animated the, this crack. It's like cartoon crack lines appear, but you know what? It looks great. (laughs) And then they have a, a, an extreme close up of it exploding outwards. And there's like a, you know pieces of shell shrapnel just explode everywhere in slow motion it's really badass and then there's like this rodan hand puppet clearly that somebody's controlling and you see this like baby rodan like and it's just awesome and then for the rest of the movie it's rodan and then at the maybe the fifth there's 15 minutes left or something you realize oh no there's two rodans i was just gonna say that yeah it was i didn't know if i remembered it right yeah. yeah, it's a pair, and they uh, like they the humans. What happened to the other one? So the humans don't beat them. So spoiler alert: the, like there's a volcano that's just erupting now, and they just sort of the the which is interesting because later they linked Rodan to volcanoes both in the new the new King of the Monsters movie that came out, the legendary King of the Monsters. Rodan was actually a being of like. He was like made of lava, basically. He was very much like a phoenix, yeah, yeah, like a phoenix sort of. And then in the nineties, there was uh, uh, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla two, which is the third Mechagodzilla movie. It's stupid that it's called number two, but it's the second design for Mechagodzilla. It's it's the uh, the Heisei era Mechagodzilla, the dumpy one with the big thunder thighs. But I love that movie so much. And in that one, Rodan is Fire Rodan, and he's he's around volcanoes and. And he's really, really cool. So they, they also really- in Monster Zero, there's yep. there's a scene where the aliens they take Rodan and Godzilla and they take them to okay. their planet, and Rodan is inside the heart of like a, a mountain or a volcano. Oh, so interesting. So okay, I didn't even yeah. remember that one. Okay, so yeah, so it all I guess stems from this. They just have always linked him with volcanoes at the very yeah. end. I guess the whole fire image, yeah. Yeah, they're flying over the volcano. One apparently dies of smoke inhalation, I guess. It doesn't really say. It just sort of drops, and the puppet falls into the into the quote-unquote lava and catches on fire, which apparently was not planned. Apparently, it wasn't supposed to actually catch on fire. They just left it in, and then it just dies. It, it literally just dies, and then the other one has a sad... And is like, oh no, honey! And then like it just opts to kill itself and dies uh, next to its mate and f- catches fire and burns. And the end. So like the humans literally cannot beat Rodan. Humans have beaten Godzilla so many times, but in Rodan, nope. They, there were two of them. They couldn't even beat one. 
So the other thing about Rodan too is that they make a big deal about how fast he flies. Mm -hmm. Like he he flies so fast that it like causes explosions. Oh yeah, there's this. And they never never mention that again in any of the other movies. I know, I know that like supersonic, sonic boom as it flies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they, there's a shot in that movie that I just love because I rewatched it for this episode and I uh, haven't seen it in a few years. I watched it a lot as a kid. But um, when um, it flies past a bridge, like a suspension bridge, and the entire bridge just gets pulled. I don't know how they did the effect, honestly. It's really cool. It really, truly looks like a, an invisible force pulled it and it explodes and crumbles and goes into nothing as it uh as it, it you know gets pulled it's really really cool um so so just just briefly because i didn't have access to something like creature double feature as a kid the reason why i saw this movie so much was there was this one time i don't know um i don't know pete if at they had camp? them where not this one time at bank camp this one time uh, back in the 80s so i don't know if they had these department stores where where you lived but here we had bradley's we had Bradley's, yeah. So it was just basically like a, you know, Kmart, you know, early Walmart sort of type of store. And so there was one day that we were just checking out the the movies that were in Bradley's. And I was really like obsessed with Godzilla, but starved for Godzilla. Some of my friends had a couple movies, but they're always on VHS tape. Like we, I, I did not know how to watch them otherwise. And it was this one day where we, we found four Toho movies and I convinced my mom to buy all four of them and they were my sacred holy four like <laughs> which movies were they so it was it was Rodan Mothra not Mothra versus Godzilla just Mothra and um oh no no it was three that's right the fourth one was added later and Godzilla versus King Kong so those three movies. Now, Godzilla versus King Kong was my least favorite of those. I watched it like a few times. But the King Mothra, Kong back then was awful. Looking. He was awful. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. He was he was a reused costume from the show Ultra Q. Who? Um, oh, okay. Precursor. It's just like an Ultraman spinoff. It's well. So it came. It came one year before Ultraman was created. It was oh, the same oh, oh. company, and they used a lot of the suits in Ultraman from Ultra Q. Ultra Q was more like um, a Twilight Zone meets the X-Files. Uh, sort oh, of okay. And it's a great show. It's on It's on YouTube. You should definitely watch it. It's one of my favorites, honestly. Uh, watch Ultra Q. It's great. Um, but the uh, there's an episode called Goro and Goro. And uh, there's a giant gorilla guy and um, a little kid. And they're both named Goro. And um, yeah, that suit became the King Kong suit. They just altered it. Um, but it's uh, because they would share props, um, even though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, Toho they had no didn't. budget. Yeah, the is the right. Mentioned, yeah, exactly. Toho wasn't the production company that made those shows. In fact, they were rivals, but they shared similar like the same prop house. It, it was very similar style. Yeah. 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 And in fact, there in there is one episode of the first season of Ultraman where they fight a monster. It's like out by a lake. I don't remember the name of the thing, but it's just a Godzilla with like a fin around his neck. Like yes. Just at- yes. There is an episode with just Godzilla. Yeah. It's just God's it's just a Godzilla yeah. costume. They added a fin around <laughs> his neck like a Kermit the Frog frill, basically. <laughs> or like a like the spitter dinosaur from the first Jurassic Park. That's what it looks like. The the Dilophosaurus. Spits venom and it's yeah, <laughs> Dilophosaurus. Um, and then, like, he has a different tail, like, they put something on the end of his tail, and they're like, <laughs> I, 
done. Different some spikes on that. Yeah. It's kind of funny, but anyway, so that's a little uh, little background there. But yeah, so that's how I was able to watch uh, specifically Rodan and Mothra a million times as a kid. Mm-hmm. I was I was really really obsessed. The fourth one I was thinking of was uh, Godzilla versus uh, versus Megalon. Um, oh, I love that one. That it's one awful, I but I love it. Yeah, it's awful, but yeah, the little kid makes that one really hard to watch. Oh. Yeah. Oh man, the little kid is just. Isn't it insane. funny how all these movies have like children who know the monsters better than the grown-ups do? I was gonna oh, yeah. be of that. Well, they had Gamera. He was like the Gamera, hero of yeah. the children. Yeah, like he always like protected children. Yeah, he had this one little friend in that first <laughs> one. And, yeah, he had the little kid, and he just that's why that first. That, I mean, Gamera is hard to watch too. Like that little kid, just half the dialogue is just Gamera. Like he just, <laughs> just doesn't Gamera. shut up. Like. Like, oh my god <laughs> but uh yeah pretty funny but i there's something about these old these old monster movies and uh and stuff that there there is just so much charm for me right. um and when when they're bad it doesn't it sort of doesn't matter um and it is like a different era yeah 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 and creature double feature so great was that it had such a diverse pool of movies to come you know they had um some of the hammer films that were uh, you know a little less racy you had uh universal you had aip with roger corman so you had this whole pool of stuff they could choose from yeah i started watching it when it first came on and then i went to college in 1981 so i must have stopped watching then and i noticed that they added movies later that they hadn't shown before that were kind of interesting <laughs> to go back yeah a lot of these movies and it also ended up on mystery science theater which if you hadn't discovered on, on creature double feature you were bound to run into reptilicus or um the brain that wouldn't die or you know whatever it was that they also showed yeah when uh when netflix brought uh mystery science theater back and they had the new host jonah and uh they, there were two monster movies on that season that i actually did see on the list of movies that were played um on creature double feature one of them was reptilicus as you just said another one oh was god that was so funny you know yeah. yon that's a puppet yeah. yeah yeah that's another one that one those are both rough though but i mean they're like random countries made those too like yeah i, I don't even i think i think yon was korean and reptilicus was like norway i think it was like yeah, it was like right like it's like Denmark Denmark or something yeah yeah, it was Sydney Pink who produced it. I think he just bought it, bought it, and dubbed it. But that would Crazy. be a readable feature. With was it? What's the one about the the giant claw? Oh, the the giant claw. Just, it's just this. Yeah, it's it's just this total puppet bird. Yeah, like a, that was like uh, Rodan. Yes, that was a uh, that was one of the only marionette monsters that was made in Mexico. That puppet. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Oh, that's so it's cool. Like, it looks so completely different because the house that made it like just played by its own rules. It just was so separate. I loved it. Yeah. Um, it's so weird. Yeah. 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 And okay. So you know what? We're, we're going to take it home. We're going to bring it back to them. That is another movie that really uses sound to um, enhance the horror of whatever scene is going on. The creature makes a very repetitive, very annoying sound that, it it ushers in its presence on screen at all times um just like just like the uh the ants it's like you hear it and you know it's coming and it's supposed you know it's supposedly gonna make you tense and you're like oh no and uh and stuff which is the same thing really they do with the creature from the black lagoon it's just 
the sound in Creature from the Black Lagoon is like a stinger that they play uh, musically. It's it's not a sound that the creature is supposed to be making or anything, but um, it's like a musical cue. Right? Same thing. It is a yeah. very harsh sting that they play uh, about 62 times in Creature from the Black Lagoon. I mean, it is in it so much. And um, the first, just the first one. Um, but yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, they used, they used more tools. Uh, they had less tools. They used them more. I think, I think that's, that's how I'll say right. it. But um, except in them, you hear the sound, the sound is great. And then the ants come on and they're pretty cool too. Mm-hmm. But in the giant claw, the music might help a little bit or the sound. It's just the sound. When you see it, it's like so goofy. Yeah. <laughs> It's so goofy and there's nothing scary about it. I think they were going for for scary and they just missed it. <laughs> it's so silly. I mean, that that monster is absolutely one of the most memorable for not for not. But not th- for I wish that one would fight Reptilicus because they're both awful. <laughs> they're both terrible. Yeah, but they well, uh, but we love them. though. Yeah, I don't know. Or where's where's Gorgo? Gorgo's the uh, the English Godzilla. We need and so and Konga's the English King Kong. Yes. They were made around the same time. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen? Uh, we should we should wrap it up pretty soon. We're at an hour and a half. But let me just have you guys have you seen King Kong Escapes? Yes. Not yet. It's horrible. It's an old it's, movie. It's awful. It's super bad, uh, in all the best ways. It, it, yeah. It, it's, so it has like a mecha King Kong. You've probably yes, seen. yes, with like a siren on his head. Yeah, he's like I think he's just called Robo Kong or something like that. And he's <laughs> yeah, they didn't uh, put too much thought in the Oh my god, the plot of that movie is the funniest, dumbest <laughs> shit. The the first of all, the bad guy is named Doctor Who, but it's like <laughs> he's he's literally Doctor Who. And his plot is like he he needs to mine this like this element that's you know under the ground. And he's like, oh well, you know, the perfect shape for a machine to be if I need to mine stuff underground. Well, that would be a gorilla. <laughs> so he builds himself a robot version of King Kong because he's heard about King Kong and that's his inspiration. And guess what? The robot can't cut the mustard, it just breaks. So he's like, oh well. You know, you think like, oh, what are you going to do? Are you going to try again or maybe like build a different machine or fix this one or something? This guy goes, well, I guess the only thing I can do now is go find the real King Kong and force him to do it. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Won't. Make him fight yeah, the I'll robot. Sure. <laughs> Make him fight the robot. <laughs> oh, my God. That movie is hilarious. Oh, it's so, so bad. Oh. And once again, King Kong looks horrible. Oh yeah, it's this. I think it's the, the same. same I think yeah. it's the same costume. They just kept um, like editing it. They kept like altering it. Like the fakest um, gorilla suit you ever saw in your life. <clears throat> yeah, his hairless pecs are just very, very disturbing. <laughs> they they haunt me in my sleep. Um, guys, thank you so much for coming on. This has oh, been a super lot of fun. This is a uh, lot creature, of fun. Yeah, creature double feature, and uh, you know, before we get out of here, let's go in the reverse order. I want to hear you guys talk about if you have anything you're working on, anything that's coming up, any appearances, anything, and drop some links. Where can people find your books? I mean, they're all on Amazon, but if there's anything else you want to specifically promo or talk about, now's the time to do it. Let's start with Peter N. Dudard. Sir, please talk about some stuff. I, I have a new short story collection coming out from Trepidatio Publishing. The title is Such Pretty Confusion, um, Nightmares from a Damaged Mind. I don't know when it's coming out, probably late summer, early fall. 
Um, and beyond that, I'm working on a new full-length novel called This Little Piggy Misses You. Um, plus, oh. I have a case of short stories coming out in the near future as well. So, And you can find That's me... The Little uh, Piggy, is that a sweet thing? What? That's not horror, is it? The, the piggy one? Is that the, like something sweet? No, 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 no. It, it is a possession novel. Oh, all right. Yeah, I you're like children's books now. No, not yet. Um, well, I can be I can be reached at uh, peterandudar.com. That's where you can find me, or on Facebook. Excellently done. Thank you, sir. Lauren, say words. Um, I also have a, a story collection coming out from Trepidatio Press. Is that how you pronounce it, Pete? Or Trepidatio? Trepidatio. And uh, it's called um, Something Blue and Other Colorful Deaths. And it's coming out, I think, March 31st. But that could always change. But yeah, so I also have a story collection coming out. That should be pretty cool. So, and then we're both working on other stuff. Yeah. Oh, and Steve, mad mad props to you for Black Honey. Congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. So I also have a short story collection coming out. That yes. It was just mentioned, but I wasn't going to mention it, but thank you. Why not? Yeah, of course you should. <laughs> yeah. Black honey and other unsavory things is coming out. Rough house publishing uh, should be coming out in the next couple months. I'm not really sure about the date, but um, we are, the I know killer. our work is being worked on and uh, it's going to be awesome when it hits for sure. But you, Peter, you, you gave me just an absolute, the the like the most amazing write up that you know review that you gave oh, me glad. from an glad. from an advanced I, reader. I copy. really enjoyed it. it. It was very well balanced. There's you know uh, hints of Edgar Allan Poe. There's all kinds of futuristic stuff. It, it was wonderful. Thank you so much. Like it really meant a lot to me, honestly. And uh, that is uh, that is definitely my favorite uh, advanced review that I got. It was it was really it really blew me away because you kind of wrote a paragraph and then you wrote like another huge paragraph in Messenger. And it was just uh, it was just it. Thank well, you. I hope it helps thank for you. what it's worth. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So, hey, we all got stuff coming out. Hey, look at that. We're all cool, guys. Um, well, guys, uh, I think I think we'll we'll call it there. So uh, I think it's time I, I uh, let you guys out of the brig. Uh, so so oh, let, me, uh, let, me, let me let me come down there. I'll just walk down the stairs here. Hit his ass. And, get uh, him. Get him. Get him. What, what? what the <laughs> hell? Give him. Give him. <laughs> ah! shows like the one you just heard check out the dorkening podcast network at the dorkening.com